So grounding is any number of tools that brings you back to the present moment and helps calm your nervous system. Since again, as more sensitive people, we have a more overactive nervous system, which is why our emotional responses can be bigger and more intense than other people. Mm. So if you find yourself in that emotional space and you have to make a big decision, try grounding yourself, give yourself some space from the situation, give yourself a weekend to think about it and then revisit it because you may feel very differently once you've had the chance to gain some perspective. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hammond, your host. On today's episode, we have Melody Wilding. She is the author of Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking, and Channel Your Emotions for Success at work. I was in Barnes and Noble one day, just walking around as I do maybe a couple of times a month, saw the book, the book title and thought, you know what? I'm actually going to pick that book up and read it. Got through it in probably four or five days. Highly recommend it. I really look forward to digging into this conversation with you. We touched on a lot of different topics, imposter syndrome, overthinking, burnout, overwhelm, becoming what she calls a sensitive striver. We talk about having boundaries and people pleasing this is a wide-ranging conversation. Really look forward to introducing to all of you, Miss Melody Wilding. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you ready to get out of the daily rut and begin working at your highest level? Coach P Consulting will help you do just that using the same strategies he did to sell over 500 life insurance policies in 2020 and on track for over 600 life insurance policies in 2021. No, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look at the behind the scenes team training and an office performing at the highest level. Coach P currently has a 100% retention rate for everyone who joins. And hey, those numbers speak for themselves. Coach P will train your team alongside his own to show you the exact steps they are taking to achieve chairman circle in two agencies, exotic travel, and multi-line presence club. So whether your goal is to be the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and tactics to get you there. 
For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level. His strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpconsulting.com and get 50% off your first month of coaching when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Again, that's coachpconsulting.com. Melody, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story. And so for those of our listeners that maybe don't know you, why don't you tell a little bit about your background and your journey to where you are today? Yes. So professionally, my background is as a therapist. My background is in psychology. I teach human behavior at the graduate level and now I am an executive coach and author. But I think my story starts from a very different place earlier on in my career. I really faced a crisis moment where I had to use all of the tools from my training on myself. So I was someone who my entire life was your gold star kid, strove to please and always be the best at everything I did and really wanted to hit all those markers of success, You know, getting good grades in school, going to a good college, getting a good job. And that sense of high achievement and wanting to please other people followed me into the early part of my career. And I found myself with a great job, a very demanding job in New York City, but very quickly burned out. And really a moment that I recount at the beginning of the book is when I hit such a point of burnout where I could not get out of bed. I was having heart palpitations. My hair was falling out. And I had really let my sensitivity to the world, my ability to think and feel so deeply, it was killing me. It was hurting me. I had no boundaries. I was so insecure. And that's what I say. You know, I reached a point where I had to take all of those tools, all of my psychology training of learning to manage my own thoughts and emotions and turn all of that on myself. And so now I'm very grateful to be able to also share that methodology with other people now helping leaders, managers, business owners do the same thing for themselves so that they can use their thoughts and their emotions to their own advantage. I didn't tell you this whenever we spoke the other day, but first of all, your story and then what made me decide to want to have you on the podcast outside of the title of your book, which congratulations, and we'll get into that. But it really spoke to me because I had that moment in 2015 myself. I was completely burnt out, working all of the time, found myself in the hospital, found myself getting a heart exam at age of 34, and was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And, mm-hmm. you know, was having panic attacks and all those sort of things. And, and so it's often your mess becomes your message. And so I just want to talk about first this concept of I'm a recovering people pleaser myself. And since you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the business owners that we talk to, they're just very forward with their teams and especially in their communities. A lot of our audience is insurance agency owners. And so they can feel this weight on their shoulders as to trying to please everybody in their community, their customers, their family, their friends, et cetera. Can you just speak to that? Absolutely. So in the book, I characterize something that I call the honor roll hangover, which is this idea that these habits that have made us so successful in earlier parts of our lives then come to get in our way. So the honor roll hangover consists of perfectionism, 
which is always wanting to strive to be flawless. But more than that, perfectionism is really about self-criticism, being so hard on yourself, setting such unrealistically high standards that you can never win, right? You are never good enough. So there's perfectionism, people-pleasing, as you mentioned, which is putting other people's needs ahead of our own, prioritizing their approval over our own inner approval. So with people-pleasing, mm-hmm. we may endlessly seek that external validation. We may compromise ourselves, our own values, needs, and wants in name of getting other people what they want. And then the last is over-functioning, which is a behavior that stems from people-pleasing and perfectionism. But over-functioning tends to look like, I see this a lot with business owners, where you as the owner of your business are the one who fix every problem. You are the one that when people are having an issue, you rescue them, you swoop in to save the day, which is wonderful that everyone looks to you for that leadership. But what can happen is that they become overly reliant on you to the point where it becomes a detriment, not only for you, but for them as well. So over-functioning is really taking on more responsibility than we should, which can lead to this dynamic where other people underfunction. Our clients, our team don't take on enough ownership and responsibility for their own situation because they're just looking to us. I want to dive into the one thing you just mentioned there, which is setting such unrealistic and high expectations. And so there's a great book, I believe, written by Schwartz, The Magic of Thinking Big. And so there's this juxtaposition between these unrealistic expectations, but also stretching ourselves. And so how do we reconcile that as high performing executives, entrepreneurs, business owners? Yeah, it's such a great question. And you're right, it is really attention. And to me, I separate out vision from goals. So I think Mm. there's a difference between having an inspiring, broad, large vision that you're working towards for what you see is possible. And I think that that's something uniquely our personality as sensitive strivers, and we can talk more about that, that we have that sort of optimism and hope for the future. But then there's a difference between how you go about achieving that vision. And where Mm. perfectionism comes in is when we set ourselves up for failure and saying, I'm going to prospect and try to reach out to 150 people this month, knowing that would take us hundreds of hours. You're not setting yourself up for success. If you say, I'm going to reach out to five people this week, that's manageable. That's setting yourself up for success because you can feel like you're making progress. And then that motivation will beget more motivation. I think that's an important nuance there. That vision is separate from goals or the action steps you go about to achieve them. Mm, That's actually really helpful. And I know whenever we talked the other day, we did mention that a lot of these items are very nuanced, right? A lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, and it's important to be able to distinguish the difference. Cameron Harrell popularized the concept of the vivid vision. And it's one of the most transformative concepts that I believe in is saying, okay, where do you want your business and your life to be over the next three years or so? And having that inspiring vision and then setting milestones and timelines along the way to be able to get there, which is kind of where the realistic part of it is to say, hey, listen, this is kind of where I want to be long-term, but then to be able to actually lay out some things that are tangible, measurable, specific along the way, right? Absolutely. Yes. It's reverse engineering yourself into that success. 
So sensitive striver, you talk about it very early in your book, Trust Yourself. And so I certainly have been called you know, driven and I'm maybe pushed too hard. And so I really like this idea of sensitive striver. So tell our audience what you mean by that. Yes. So a sensitive striver is someone who is both highly sensitive and high achieving. So they think and feel everything more deeply and they're driven, they're ambitious in their career. So the sensitivity part is not original to me. There has been decades, about three decades of research on this. It is a well-proven biological trait that's connected to about 10 different gene variants with the way a certain part of the population, about 15 to 20% of people have a more attuned central nervous system. So our brains and our bodies process certain neurochemicals differently. Parts of our brain light up more in certain situations, particularly in emotional situations or one related to empathy in other people rather than the other 80% of the population. So this is a very real genetic trait. And what I observed in my own life and in my work now doing this for 10 years is that layering on the ambition piece adds a whole new layer of complexity to being a sensitive person because you have things like overwhelm, imposter syndrome, that because you are more attuned to your own inner world and that of the people around you, those types of challenges tend to be heightened. But at the same time, there's a tremendous amount of gifts that come along with both of these traits as long as we know how to balance it and get the most out of our qualities. Do you feel like that you see that even more often with entrepreneurs, business owners, high achieving executives, like from a percentage comparatively? I mean, I think I heard this like two to three percent of the population in the world are business owners. Right. And so 97 percent. So if you just but that's still a lot, obviously a lot of people. But do you see that percentage wise a lot more in the business owners, entrepreneurs and in the work that you do? I do. I do. I would say over. 80% of the people I work with privately in coaching are entrepreneurs and business owners, founders, that that type of person. And I think entrepreneurs and business owners tend to be more sensitive or rather sensitive strivers are drawn to this field because mm-hmm. we do have a high drive to want to make an impact and a difference for people. Mm-hmm. We are driven and ambitious. So we have the discipline to follow through on yeah. those goals. And self-employment for many reasons tends to suit this personality because you can have a lot more control and influence over certain variables to create conditions that will lead to your success. And that's certainly a huge reason why I work for myself is because I can optimize my life and my business around what I know I need as a sensitive striver. So I really wanted to ask you about kind of overwhelm, but also like ambition. And so how to still have be as driven as we are, as ambitious as we are, push as hard as, as we do, but yet not get to the point to where we're literally in the hospital as you were. And then as I mentioned myself, and so how do we reconcile those two things? Because at the end of the day, people, entrepreneurs, business owners, people who listen to this podcast do not want to have to step back and start lowering their standards and say like, oh, I'm just good with being mediocre. That's just not who they are. I mean, they're mountain climbers. They're going to climb the mountain. They're going to look around. They're going to savor it for a day. And they're going to say, okay, great. What's the next mountain peak for me to climb? Yes. And so I had somebody ask me that recently. They said, well, is that healthy for me to live a life that way? I said, well, it's uniquely you. That's how you're going to be. The question mm-hmm. is, how do you avoid 
the burnout and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in the book, I go over six key qualities that make up being a sensitive striver. And one of them is inner drive. And again, that ambition is such a positive trait that we have, but if unbalanced can lead directly to burnout. So you brought up something important that we high achievers have that tendency to reach the mountain peak and then we're on to the next thing. And what that can create is this sense that nothing is ever good enough. I am never good enough. I always have to be striving for more. And so something I work with a lot with my clients on is learning to savor our success and enjoy it Mm -hmm. and take it in more to celebrate our achievements, not only just internally internalizing that sense of competence and confidence that comes from those achievements, but also for the people around us. Because if you are leading a team and you are always on to the next thing, your team's going to become very easily demoralized because they will feel like, well, wait, aren't we going to pause and celebrate? Isn't anything we did enough and worthy of that? So that sort of recognition, really intentionally building in that celebration is not only important for you psychologically and emotionally to appreciate, but also for the people around you and the company that you're creating. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we talk, and most of the people that listen have a team of somewhere between five and 20 or so people on their team. And so, yeah, you're right. Just because you experience it one way doesn't mean everybody else around you experiences it the exact same way. I think that whenever you say, savoring the success and celebrating the wins. Like it's not saying you're going to become complacent while doing that. I mean, Tony Robbins, I've heard him say that life is about growth, but there's times that you need to actually sit and say like, Hey, this is a really good place. Let's actually celebrate this and then figure out kind of where we're going to go from here. Yeah. And savoring those successes is important to get to the next level. Like I said, in order to build your psychological sense of competence, because if you Don't pause to take in what went well. How did I achieve that? What mindsets helped me get there? You're going to miss out on a lot of resilience that you can use to face challenges in the future. So that's why that sort of reflection and pause is so important because it's going to help you reach your goals faster and more effectively in the future. Do people recognize your agency brand? More importantly, do people care about your brand? At Relevant Marketing Solutions, we partner with you to clarify your message and deliver it through multiple marketing channels, creating a brand that inspires. With over 10 years experience working with insurance agencies, our team can help your agency not only get noticed, but start cultivating brand champions. From creating a logo to putting it on a coffee mug, we are your one-stop shop for all things marketing. We can even produce a video of you drinking out of your cool new mug. Visit us at relevantadvantage.com to learn more. And if you're a State Farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com and be sure to enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase and no spaces at checkout for a special discount. Relevant Marketing Solutions, helping you cultivate brand champions. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top-performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. 
Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Now let's go to kind of the other side of something, and that is this concept of overthinking. And so when I think of overthinking, I think about the times where you get stuck and you begin to procrastinate and you don't make a call really at all. And so can you talk about overthinking? And then I'm really interested to get you to also talk about this idea of like not thinking enough sometimes. <laughs> a lot of times we can be make decisions emotionally, either on an emotional yes. high or on an emotional low. But first, let's talk about actual overthinking. And then we can talk about like actually not thinking enough. Yes. So there tends to be a few different types of overthinking. So we have rumination, which is being in the past, worrying or rather revisiting something that happened. Why did I do that? I looked like such an idiot. I made this mistake, sort of kicking yourself and just playing it over and over in your head. Then we have future tripping, which is worrying about things that haven't happened yet. That's living in the what ifs, worrying about deadlines when you're at the dinner table with your family. And then last is analysis paralysis, which is just plain information overload, where we have so many choices, so many options that we stay paralyzed and we don't make a decision. So it can be helpful to even recognize which brand of overthinking you find yourself falling into most often because they all have somewhat different solutions. But in general, what I find to be very helpful with clients is what I call sensitive strivers law, which very similar to Parkinson's law is that overthinking expands to the time that we allow it. So the more space and time you allow yourself to overthink, the longer you're going to stay stuck there. So creating constraints is very powerful, especially for us business owners. So letting a client know when you're going to deliver a decision by, putting a date on your calendar, creating accountability with your team so they know to be expecting something from you. All of those constraints, only giving yourself the opportunity to consult three different websites or five subject matter experts before you make a decision. I'll just give you an example of this. Right now, I am in the process of planning my wedding. And my version, thank you. My version of analysis paralysis would be I would endlessly research venues and wedding planners and this and that. But my fiance and I put constraints on this. And we said, we're going to talk to five wedding planners. That's it. And then we're going to make a decision. And at the end of the day, we ended up talking to three and we made a decision to go with one. But if I had been left to my own devices with that, I would have researched endlessly and had so many different conversations to the point where I would have delayed making a choice. So constraints can be very powerful and can put limitations on that overthinking. That's true. I mean, it makes me think about whenever, as we're recording this out of town at a conference and it's amazing all the things that you get done the day before that you were to leave to go out of town. Yes. And it's because you've got this kind of hard deadline before you're jumping on a plane. And I think that a lot of times because of who we are by nature as ambitious and driven, we do need that constraint. We do need that deadline that we can actually put in ourselves. Or in that example, you were saying, hey, I'm only going to consult three or five wedding planners, whatever. And maybe, hey, I'm looking at this different software which software am I yes. going to use? Because I mean, there's so many different ones out there for different things. Or maybe 
I'm only going to consult with X number of lead companies to decide who I'm going to go with, because then you can just kind of get, I think about analysis paralysis, right? It was like, well, I'm getting so much information. I get bombarded, then they end up procrastinating and not making a call at all. I think that's really good. Well, let's talk about then not thinking enough because we're emotional creatures, right? We just talked about sensitive drivers. That's being Mm -hmm. emotional. So sometimes we just had a great month. And now we've decided we're going to hire three more people because we had a great month, not a great year or so. And now we're strapped for cash because uh, we made a decision of we got around some people who fired us up. And so we decided to make this decision on how. Conversely, we had a bad month. Now we're going to lay off half of our sales force because we began to catastrophize, so to speak. And so talk about that versus removing ourselves slightly to allow us to actually give it enough thinking to realize, hey, we're making an emotional decision here. Yes, you put your finger on it precisely with catastrophizing. And this is because when we're in the throes of an emotional response, we're in a more primitive part of our brain, the frontal part of our brain that's responsible for all good decision-making, logic and concentration and complex thinking goes offline a little bit. And so we're operating from more primitive brain states that make us a bit more impulsive where we don't think through situations. And typically with sensitive strivers, I see this where they do skew towards the negative to the most part. This is the end of the world. I'm going to need to close up the business and this is it. This is what I'm found out as a fraud and nobody has, or I have no idea what I'm doing. So to get past that emotional thinking, we always need to start in our body. I think most people try to start by managing their emotions through managing their thoughts. And that's a mistake because when you're in the throes of an emotional response, you really can't access logical thinking yet. You have to get your body to a state where it feels safer and more calm before your prefrontal cortex can come back online. So grounding is something I talk about in the book, and that could be anything from deep breathing. Some people like uh, exercise that's called five, four, three, two, one, which is accessing the five senses to really identify things in your environment to get more grounded into the present. So grounding is any number of tools that brings you back to the present moment and helps calm your nervous system. Since Again, as more sensitive people, we have a more overactive nervous system, which is why our emotional responses can be bigger and more intense than other people. Mm. So if you find yourself in that emotional space and you have to make a big decision, try grounding yourself, give yourself some space from the situation, give yourself a weekend to think about it and then revisit it because you may feel very differently once you've had the chance to gain some perspective. And that was what you were talking about there. So that's a tactic that's known as psychological distancing. And you can do that in the moment in a few different ways. So one way is to, if you especially have a highly negative voice, name that negative voice. What is the name of that inner critic? I call mine Bozo because he's very much a nuisance, but yours may be negative Nelly or complainer, whatever it is. Maybe you have a negative inner voice, but you also have that risk taker in you. And you can give those two voices names so that it puts a label on what's happening so that you can say, oh, here it is again. I know this is my trigger to take a pause whenever I hear risky Rick coming up, I know that's my opportunity to step back and really assess if this is the right decision. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I mean, I was thinking about people listening to this, they can have a situation to where a client has a bad experience, whether it's because of a mistake made in their office or not. And so now you begin to kind of think to yourself, well, everybody's having a bad experience, right? And so it can get you to the point to where you end up making some really poor choices that have some second order consequences down the road when the reality is, if you could just isolate that situation. So I really liked the idea of starting with your body first and then the grounding exercise and just having some psychological distance. Oftentimes, even I would assume sleeping on it one night before making a call, that in and of itself gives us the distance and space that we need, or if it is the weekend to be able to make a call versus in that moment within the hour, that's probably not enough psychological distance to be able to do that. 100%. Whenever you're feeling depleted, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, that's not a good time to be making a decision. That's why sleeping on it is so powerful because you're replenishing your resources so you can make a decision with a clearer mind. (laughs) It's kind of like some people would be better off to sleep on something before they send that tweet or post that message on Facebook, right? I mean, it's like something's got you emotionally charged, politics, whatever it may be, what, you know, the vaccine, lack of vaccine, it doesn't matter. So people are really emotionally charged. And it's like, you know, you probably should sleep on that before posting that, right? In that mode. It's funny you say that because one trick I use in my business is I do schedule emails in advance and that's kind of engineering a pause. So I know that it gets it out of my head and marked off on my to-do list. But I know if I think about it later and I deliberate on it a little more and I want to change what I wanted to say, I can always go back and edit the email before it sends. So that's been a really helpful strategy for me as a business owner. No, that's actually really good. I like that. There's been some times that I was going to send a text message or an email and I was just about to hit send and deleted it, ended up. I'm glad I didn't send it because it would have caused more harm than good. All right. So I want to talk about boundaries and in particular, sometimes not having enough boundaries. And in particular with the majority of the people, majority of our audience, they have small teams. I mean, at five to 20. And so help us to reconcile how to have the right boundaries in our offices to where we build really strong relationships with our teams. But at the same time, it can almost be too close. I think people have had Mm -hmm. those situations and then it becomes too close and then you can't hold them accountable, et cetera. And so that sets wrong expectations. Talk about boundaries. So earlier we were talking about over-functioning and that's the most common behavior I see with business owners when they have poor boundaries is that they're over-functioning. They're taking on too much responsibility. They may have an employee who's a squeaky wheel and always needs a lot of support. They are constantly being called in to help with this client issue, that client issue. We need your input on this, input on that. And they spend so much of their time being reactive that they don't have any time to be proactive or strategic. So the first place to start is by actually examining your emotional responses. So specifically looking for where you feel a heightened sense of resentment, resentment towards your team, resentment towards clients, towards vendors. That is a good sign that a boundary needs to be set, that you have let a situation go on too long, that you've extended yourself more than you are comfortable with. So I would be encouraging everyone who's listening to really take stock of where do you feel some sense of resentment in your business? And what does that mean about a limit that you need to establish? I love that. 
what is the right way for someone who does that exercise and feels honestly that they have some resentment with their team? And in particular, they're probably it's going to be something regarding performance. They're not producing enough. They're not making enough sales. They start thinking, you know what? This person's paid X amount. I'm not getting return, et cetera. And so then their coaching changes from being encouraging, giving them the training and the development to much more of an iron fist, quite frankly, right? Like kind of not good enough. And then ends up being a death spiral at that point. I mean, you know, it's almost like hard to overcome. And so either they're going to quit or you're going to let them go, et cetera. So once someone has found that they have that resentment towards a team member or maybe even a couple of team members in their office, where should they go from there? Yeah, it's a great question. And I would advise against going from zero to 60, zero of being very nice and extremely lenient. And then all of a sudden coming down with an iron fist, that's just too much of a big change. So Mm -hmm. whenever I work with clients who are in this position, we have them start by resetting expectations with Mm -hmm. that employee where it's your responsibility to sit down and articulate what you need to see change from that person. What is the level of performance that you need to see from them? And taking ownership of the fact that maybe you haven't been as clear, assertive, or articulate about this as you should have in the past. But for whatever reason, that is changing. And many times there is some sort of contextual element that you can point to. It's a new quarter. It's a new year that's starting. The team is growing very quickly. And because of that, expectations are changing. So there's usually something contextually that you can point to as a reason for needing to give this feedback now. But it's very important that you take ownership for your side of the street and not articulating this sooner. And then be Mm. very clear about behaviors, actions you need to see them take. So you give them the benefit of the doubt to improve or not. And then at least you've been clear about what your boundaries are. And if someone doesn't meet it at that point, then you can have a more serious conversation about, is this the right fit? Do we need to take certain measures? But it's really all about setting those clear expectations. The last topic I wanted to discuss with you is, last one or two, is imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of times showing up as our authentic self, I mean, that's not the first time that's been shared and people have heard that before. The reality is, is they'll go to a conference like I'm at now, or they'll be around other people and they'll try to be like someone else, you know, like, and I really wish I was more like Melody. Melody is so emotionally stable when the reality is sometimes they walk into the office and they're fired up and they want to play music loud and they're super excited. And then two weeks later, they walk through the back door, shut the door and they don't want to talk to anybody. Right. It's like, well, which one is like, I'm just genuinely being myself. Business is really tough. It's the roller coaster. I mean, there's highs and lows every single, like not within a month or a year, but like every single day. You know, you can have a great morning and then you get one email or a phone call and that's down. So what I'm getting at is that this idea of being our authentic self, but at the same point, this idea of imposter syndrome, maybe you can define that if somebody has not heard that before and not trying to, so to speak, be someone else that they're not because that person's already taken. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so imposter syndrome, what we're talking about is a phenomenon. It's not a mental health diagnosis or anything like that. It's just a phenomenon that's been observed among high achievers that 
even despite our accomplishments, we can feel like a fake or a fraud, that we are not deserving or we got there by luck. So fundamentally, imposter syndrome is about having a disconnect between your self-image and reality of what's true. So you may have industry awards, you may have tons of training, but you still don't feel like you are a expert in your field. And you're right, imposter syndrome can lead us into the comparison game of look at them. They look like they have it all together. Maybe I should try that. So that's often why we hear this term, fake it till you make it, which to me, I understand the sentiment behind it. But at the same time, I think it leads people astray that they Mm -hmm. feel an expectation to act what they think like a confident person should look like and not Mm -hmm. themselves. And they end up spending so much more energy putting on a mask, creating a performance than they do actually being themselves. And Mm. so I can tell you whenever I work with clients and they actually start leaning more into being sensitive, into being empathetic and compassionate, and maybe a little more reserved at times, you know, many of my clients are also sensitive, but they're also introverted. That's very common. That's when they feel like they've reached their superpower and other people start to see it too. They start to say, wow, you're so much more confident and assured. And you seem so much more secure because you feel aligned with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, some of the people that they're not even necessarily business owners, but some of my really close friends I look up to, they are calm, confident, self-assured without being arrogant or cocky because they are just being who they are, right? They're not trying to put on a show. They're not giving any energy to trying to be one person in front of their team or the people around them, but then being another person somewhere else. They're just kind of uniquely themselves, no matter what setting that they're in. Uh, I've got a good friend of mine, Brad. He's a big LSU fan. He's a physician. He is Brad, whether he is at an LSU football game or whether he is in the OR, he is the same person. And I really think that that's admirable for somebody to be able to be that consistent in who they are naturally and showing up as their authentic self. Well, let me tell you, I'm so glad that I picked up your book. I was in Barnes and Noble just browsing around and the book title, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. It caught that title, caught my attention. And so I grabbed it, read it. People that listen to our podcast know that I'm a big reader. So I highly recommend that people pick up the book. Melody, if folks want to learn more about you, how they can connect with you, learn more about your work and how you might be able to help them, where would you point them to? Absolutely. And thank you so much for that. You can find the book anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, everything like that. And the best place to find me is at my website, melodywilding.com. And over there, I actually have a free quiz if you want to take it and find out which strive quality you need to focus on the most. The quiz will help you that and really help you uncover what might be at the root of your own imposter syndrome and overwhelm. All right. Awesome. So we do it every time. We're going to go through E9 rapid fire questions now. Are you ready for this? I'm as ready as I can be. <laughs> In the back, I see a lot of books behind you. What is the last book that you read? Last book I read was Chatter by Ethan Cross. Excellent book. Okay. Awesome. Other than your book, what's the book that you would recommend the most to other business owners, entrepreneurs? Mm. One I recommend very often is Thanks for the Feedback by Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone. Excellent book. That is a fantastic book. Yes. 
Absolutely. I love the subtitle of that book. If you've not read that book, absolutely. At least go on Amazon and look at the subtitle of that book. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. Uh, during COVID, what is the thing that you learned the most about yourself during quarantine? Mm, I think I learned about my need for space, for white space. That has been a huge learning and something I, I just continually learn in my life again and again. If you could sit on a plane for 10 hours with one person dead or alive, who would it be? I think the first person who came to mind is Adam Grant. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Have you read his new book? I have not yet. Yeah, no, I, think I have not. Think again, uh, yeah. I believe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. When you're not working, what's a hobby that you love to do? I love strength training, yoga. Those are probably two of my favorite things. Awesome. What's your favorite superhero? Or if you don't have a favorite superhero, your favorite movie? This is tough for me because I'm not a huge movie watcher. I'm trying to remember something that comes to mind. You know, I love, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his, John Waters, who did Cry Baby, Hairspray. I'm a big musical person. So I love most John Waters movies. Awesome. What's the one travel destination that if you could go back, you would go back in a heartbeat? Sardinia, Italy. Oh my gosh, yeah, Italy is. I've never been to Sardinia, but I've been to Italy and Venice and it was fantastic. It's incredible. If you were gonna recommend one resource outside of a book for a business owner entrepreneur to be able to work on some of the most important things that you see in your work, what would that be? Ooh, I'm going to go a little different direction with this question. I'm going to recommend I have one on right now, which is called a, an Aura Ring. It is a fitness tracker. So it's a pretty looking fitness tracker and it tracks your sleep, your heart rate. And what's really fantastic about it is it really gives you data about your nervous system and how you're doing. And for me, it's been very valuable to see trends in my sleep. It also gives you what's called a readiness score every day. So you really know how much to push yourself. And I just think that that data is invaluable when you're a business owner because you are your best asset. So I have found it tremendously helpful. So it's funny, I've looked at the Aura Ring and also Whoop, and I haven't decided which one I'm gonna get. So if somebody knows about either of those, send me a message and let me know what your experience has been. So those are the two I'm trying to decide upon if I'm gonna get the Aura Ring or a Whoop. Nice. All right, it is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Be solution-oriented. Always come to the table with an idea, a action step. Always try to be moving conversations forward rather than focusing on blame, shame, and the past. Fantastic. Melody, hope to have you back on in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed that conversation with Melody. One of the things that she mentioned there that was pretty interesting to me was the honor roll hangover. I just felt like I've never heard it put that way. And that personally resonated with me and I'm sure it resonates with a lot of you. And having this sense of, you know, you ever felt whenever you got to the top of whatever it is you were achieving for, whether it was an industry award, a company award, or just something personally, and then you get there and you actually realize that it doesn't feel the way that you thought it was going to feel whenever you get there. I've had that before. And in particular, is one situation where I really felt empty because of the how we got there and a little bit of imposter syndrome and just quite frankly, wasn't a really good feeling. And so if you ever felt that way, pick up 
Melody's book, Trust Yourself, I think that it will help you to be able to work through a lot of those different emotions because quite frankly, what we do as small business owners is challenging. And there's a lot of ups and downs and a lot of things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis that a lot of people just can't resonate with. And if you ever felt like that you're on an island, you're not on an island. I was recently with a mastermind that meets weekly of other business owners. And one of the things that a couple of people brought up really over back-to-back weeks was just how good it feels to know that they're not on an island. One person being able to share something with the group and being vulnerable and then somebody else saying, you know, gosh, I just felt the exact same way. And so if you ever feel that way, get yourself around, put together your own mastermind group of four to, to 12 people or so and meet frequently so that you can share things. I think study groups are great that meet once or twice a year. I think it's great for exchanging ideas, but a lot of times those can be a little surface level too much to where it's just more process-based versus actually dealing with the things that go a lot deeper than how do we get more sales here? Or how do we service our customers better? Or how do we move the needle on this number? And all those are really important. But I think that there's a lot of things that are missing if you're not meeting with people on a regular basis. So have an accountability partner, get in a mastermind group because you're not alone. You're not on an island. I thought the conversation we had around stop overthinking, but then also understanding that a lot of times when we make decisions that are emotionally based, whether high or emotionally at a low, that doesn't work either. And there's a way to be able to kind of remove ourselves from those situations, make sure that we're processing through the information. I thought whenever she said grounding so that you can be present, starting with your physical body, giving yourself some space and have the psychological distancing, which I said on the podcast, maybe you need an hour, but maybe an hour is long enough. A lot of times for me personally, I need to be able to sleep on it. And then if I can get away from it for a few days over the weekend, I come back refreshed and almost every time I'm so glad that I did not have that conversation. I did not send that email or that text message. I'm glad I backed away from it. So I thought that was great. I also felt like that whenever she talked about boundaries, I did not realize that she was going to get into saying, hey, start with where do you feel resentment? Boy, I thought that was really great. And just understanding about where do you actually feel some resentment? And maybe that's towards your team or maybe it's towards a customer or whatever the case may be. And then lastly, I thought whenever we got into this idea of being ambitious versus burnout, I think I heard Michael Hyatt at one time call it the ambition break. We don't want to just slam on the emergency break of our ambition. We don't want that either. And we also don't want to be, as I have been (laughs) a few years ago, somebody said that I ran too hot, which was actually very accurate at the time. And so I thought that the nuanced as we began the conversation with Melody on that was really valid. So as I said, I really did love Melody's book, Trust Yourself. Definitely pick that up on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever your favorite books are sold. Hey, big thanks to our podcast sponsors. We would not be able to have and do the things that we're able to do. We're not be able to get some of these guests on if it wasn't for our sponsors and for our loyal listeners. So obviously, Direct Clicks, they've been a sponsor of the podcast from the beginning. They're great people. They do incredibly good work. If you're wanting to look at growing your book of business through SEO or pay-per-click campaigns, there's nobody better than Direct Clicks. Go to directclicksinc.com, directclicksinc.com. When you get those leads, you also need to be able to have the skills to convert them or your team needs to have this training and development. I've been to a lot of training and development seminars, sessions, two, three-day workshops, and I've learned a ton from them. 
The problem is when you come back, you end up with a ton of ideas. You try to implement all of them and it's not the same, but more than anything, those three ring binders end up behind your desk in a drawer collecting dust over the years and nothing really changes. So what's the alternative to that? Well, Coach P meets with you and shares with you the behind the scenes of exactly what they're doing to get it done, literally at the highest level. So whether you want to be the top in your local market, you want to hit your targets, or you want to be recognized at the national level, the weekly coaching, accountability, training and development you're going to get from Coach P and his entire team is second to none. So make sure you reach out to Coach P and make sure whenever you do that you mention the Club Capital podcast and you'll get 50% off your first month. Also, relevant advantage. Many of you, if you're a State Farm agent, you know of SF Agent Promos. Josh Fuller, whose podcast was just a masterclass in entrepreneurship. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to Josh's podcast was fantastic. Josh is a great person. His story of his company is fantastic, but they, more importantly, can help you to be able to build and segment, really cement, excuse me, your brand in your marketplace. Go to them and you mention Club Capital at or enter Club Capital at checkout for a special 10% discount off of your order. If you're not a State Farm agent and you're an insurance agency owner representing another company, go to relevantadvantage.com, relevantadvantage.com. I have ordered so many different things through them for a lot of the different companies that I'm a part of and everything they do is first class. And they've been so helpful about if I didn't even know exactly what we were going to order, just calling them, reaching out to them. They've been great to recommend some products along the way and their pricing is better than anyone that I've been able to see. And last, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast without the partners and the amazing team at Club Capital. If you are not a Club Capital member, make sure you go to club.capital to book your no obligation demo. They're the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country. They have the most data. They are going to be able to help you to be able to have better information so that with that information, you can make better decisions, become more profitable, and still at the same time grow your business and you make more money. Don't you want that? So go to club.capital today to book your no obligation demo. Personal thanks. Thanks to all of you for listening. We are so grateful for your loyalty and for the growth of the podcast. So thank you for the reviews. If you have anybody that you would love to see on the podcast, reach out to me, bradley at club.capital. Until next time, everyone, lead well.